Greetings, Wargamers. We're your hosts, Trevor, Jay, Josh, and this is Shane Attack. Attack. is sponsored by Discount Games Incorporated. Discount Games Incorporated specializes in customer service, low prices, and prompt shipping. You can find our web store at www.discountgamesinc.com. Welcome to Chain Attack. I'm your host, Trevor, and my daughter asked me what copulate means last night after reading <laughs> Invincible. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that was a fun discussion. <laughs> that, was a, that, was a, that was an interesting discussion. <laughs> there's there's a, well, spoilers, I guess, for those who haven't read the comics, so maybe I shouldn't get into it. <laughs> there's there's copulation that happens in the comics. <laughs> uh, he is... Um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh I'm I'm Jay and I'm on like a uh my body is angry at me for not having uh carbs or caffeine in my system on this this bright Monday morning. <laughs> Trying to uh get back to uh not having either of those. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. <laughs> So, um, I guess for uh, Discount Games Inc. news, um, we talk a little bit about it in the pre-ramble, but there is a new uh, big box set for Necromunda coming out. Um, it is kind of a mashup of Mad Max plus Necromunda. It does have a, a fairly... High suggested retail clocking in at two ninety nine, but uh, the the good news is that uh, you'll get it at lower prices at Discount Games Inc. and you can save your wallet a little money. Um, we also talked a little bit that uh, it's just Trevor and I this week because uh, Josh has been flooded with. Uh, responsibilities with with running Wheeler Electric and, and running for the primary to try to uh, win the bid to become a, a state representative. <laughs> it It is kind of funny to me that, you know, the saying is, is that, um, you know, anyone who would be good at the job doesn't want it. And I, I do think that uh, Josh is probably one of the the best suited of all the people I know for this job. And so it's uh, on the one hand, it's great that he's, he's doing it, but it's also, I guess a little bit surprising that he's uh, interested in it. <laughs> it. It more surprised me when he ran for city council than this did. I, yeah. I think once he'd done the city council thing and moved on, I wasn't surprised here, but I definitely, when he first started said, I'm going to run for political office. I was like, qua. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, hopefully once he wins his primary and, and general election, uh, we'll get to play some games with him again. That would be nice. 
he is scheduled to he's supposed to be going with his father to uh working GeekCon right after the primary is is finished so one way or another that will be a nice celebration for them so trevor i uh pitched to you last week a movie and you went to it and i asked you afterwards what you thought of it and you said you didn't know (laughs) and so uh you've you've had a little bit more time to think about it uh the movie that we're talking about is uh everything everywhere all at once um what uh what are some of your further thoughts on that movie um i i don't have again i what i said was (laughs) i need to see it a second time and i really do okay um i my wife enjoyed it, but she was just like, I could have done out without this part, this part, and this part. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, I, I just don't know what to think. <laughs> I'm like, I've, I've never thought I would see a movie where googly eyes were like a part of the plot. And, <laughs> and it makes sense. <laughs> it's kind like of it's just, yeah, I guess I, Sense is not necessarily the word I would put in that sentence, but <laughs> okay. I, I think I'm going to enjoy it, but it's one of those movies that I'm probably going to need to see it. Like I need it to come out on digital so that I can purchase it and watch right. it probably two more times. Okay. So ask me again once it is available. I will purchase it. Um, I just, uh, yeah. I am. I, I am excited to rewatch it. I think I had a, a more favorable review of it on the initial watch than you did. Um, but I'm not, I would not say that I had a unfavorable uh, feeling. I just, it's more of a feeling of, of what did I just watch? <laughs> it's like, it's like watching one of those, um, you know, Asian commercials for gum or whatever. Where <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. You get to the end and you're like, okay, I'm not sure what that had to do with gum, but, that was amazing. <laughs> okay. Well, um, that might be one of the better descriptions I've heard. Of, <laughs> <laughs> of, of what it's like. It's like watching one of those Asian commercials. That you have no clue what's going on. Yes. And <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess any other thoughts on, on that movie before we move on? Uh, no. Um, I felt like it was, really well done certainly if i take if i take it apart by scene there's quite a few scenes that are extremely memorable and um and regardless i think even if you don't have a good time watching it uh maybe don't see it in the theater but at least see it at some point because i think there's going to be at least a scene somewhere that everybody's going to enjoy Mm. somewhere somewhere within the vast (laughs) multiverse of scenes multiverse of scenes yes (laughs) all right well um i guess this episode we're going to grade a board game and the the name of the game is arc nova and the something that's that's a little bit unusual about this game and i'm not entirely sure why this happened or i'm assuming it's people who played you know advanced copies or or ones that were that maybe this was published in Europe first, and then, you know, some people got some copies of the game from Europe or whatever. But, you know, for whatever reason, this game had a lot more buzz than, you know, the normal board game before it came out. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It was, I think it was kickstarted. 
Is that uh, correct? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Um, but it, there's definitely a lot of buzz coming in beforehand. I don't know if they just hit a lot of conventions or, um, you know, what was bringing that. Uh, yeah, it was kickstarted, I think. Um, maybe not. Hmm. But anyway, for whatever reason, there was a lot of people that knew it was coming and were excited for it. So to give you to give you a um, sense of, I guess, the the scale of the buzz that it's received compared to most games, um, most games, most board games have zero buzz behind them. <laughs> uh, you know, there's 11 gazillion board games that release in a year and of those you know i'll probably order just a small handful of them and and if you go to gameopolis we have a fairly decent board game section um but there's just so many board games that you know you you have to have a reason to order them and then even the ones that i do order um the ones that i order more heavily you know as i guess as an example I've ordered a bunch of Frosthaven because I knew that Gloomhaven was a big success. But when Gloomhaven first released, I I only ordered a few copies because it was, um, you know, its initial release. Or it's basically in general what I'm saying is that in order for me to order more than like one or two copies of a game in general, it has to be, you know, a sequel to something or part of a franchise of games or, you know, et cetera. And so along comes Ark Nova. I pre-ordered 18 copies of this game just for local players, not not selling any of them online. And in less than a week, half of those copies have sold. And it's, it's sold out at my distributor. Um, so I guess, again, that just kind of illustrates that I, I'm not exactly sure uh, why it or how it got this way, but, you know, I had for months previously before uh, this game released, I had people telling me, like, this game's going to be awesome, I want to buy this game, be sure you get enough of this game, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, I guess, a little bit of a preface of um, kind of the buzz that's been going on about Arc Nova, which I'm assuming anyone who's tapped into the <laughs> board game community probably already knows that but for people who aren't as tapped in uh now you know <laughs> yeah i mean i i knew it was coming but i didn't know a lot about it and I, I wouldn't say i'm tapped in but i kind of knew was aware of it um it had to have been somebody had to have been able to get it early because i played it at icon and we'll talk about it um on our icon episode but i knew it was coming because i had played it beforehand so, so somehow people were getting copies of it early yeah, usually when that happens, it'll have a European release before an American one, and then people import the game. But I'm not entirely sure uh, in this case what was the what was the case. What's really weird to me is that it got all this buzz, and according to Board Game Geek, the designer, this is his first game. Yeah, yeah. So strange. Um, but it, it also is kind of, I feel like, one of the first games to play off similar mechanics to uh, Terraforming Mars. And Terraforming Mars really took the board game uh, community by storm. 
um, and nobody else has really followed it up with something similar. And this was kind of the first one to come along and say, I'm going to take that formula, put a spin on it, and put out another game similar. So yeah, maybe, and I think I'm one sure of, that helped. I think one of the things that um, that helps, in my opinion, or, or one of the things why Terraforming Mars was such a popular game, in my opinion, is that um, if I think that it's it was obvious that the people who created Terraforming Mars uh, just were really interested in and loved that topic, and then they knew a fair bit about it, and then it was just a really tightly themed uh, and interesting, uh, very thematic play of the game. And so when you're playing the game, that came through really well. And um, I, I think it's nice that in this game, you you kind of, in my opinion, you, you get the same feeling of um, you know, people in general it, I, are interested in zoos, interested in animals, but it is a, uh, another one where it feels like it's the theme fits very well and that it's, it's well done. Um, I mean, would, I guess I'm curious, do you, what were your thoughts on that? Do you agree with that or did you not feel that way? Yeah, I thought the theme was well done. I mean, it, it encouraged you to try to get, you know, um, both animals of similar, types or locations as well as diversify out um you know it's it tries to both show you um that to be a quality zoo you need to have um research and be appealing to the general public which is kind of the way it takes it has two victory point tracks that you work towards each other and as they cross over that's when it when the game end um is triggered and one of the tracks is basically research um and the other one is is appeal or uh, you know, they look like tickets, which is why you end up calling them tickets. But they're essentially sales, ticket sales for people coming in to view your zoo. I think the other track is conservation. Yeah, it's the it, you're correct. The, the official name for it is conversation, con, conservation, conservation, conservation yes. and appeal. And then you're also looking a little bit on the prestige of. Uh, yeah, yeah, but there's a reputation track that doesn't follow those other two. That's kind of separate. So, I mean, it, it sort of emulates the same sort of um, uh, tracks that that terraforming Mars uses with um, the temperature and water. Mm-hmm. And, um, but instead of being held together, there you're doing them individually. But it has similar mechanics as far as there's you know there's points along those tracks where benefits can come in and you want to be the first one to get to those points. Yeah. And it, so for terraforming Mars, it has basically three States that you're doing to get to, you have to complete them to trigger the end game. And then there's one overall victory point total. Um, in this one that like Trevor mentions, that's kind of interesting is it has the scoring track and you have two counters that start on opposite ends of the scoring track. So uh, I'm not sure actually what number it is, but let's say the scoring track goes up to 150. Um, One will start at 150 and one starts at zero and they each move until they kind of meet in the middle. And when they meet in the middle is what triggers the the end game. And so (laughs) I'm not sure that I've ever played a board game with that 
um, but it was kind of an interesting uh, way to do it as well. Yeah, I can't think of any board games that have that, a similar mechanic to that. I'm sure there are. I mean, there's so yes. many board games out there. That, yes. Yeah. The funny thing is, is that the main mechanic of the game, as far as what actions you take, is there's a uh, a power board of, of one, two, three, four, five, and you have five potential actions. And as you take an action, the card moves down to the one power slot and pushes everything up. And so if you wait till a card gets to the five slot, it becomes its most powerful. And I've played another game that used that exact same mechanic, and I've played it within the last year. And for the life of me, I can't think of the game. <laughs> I, can't, I cannot remember the name of the game that uses that mechanic. And I tried looking up on Board Game Geek the mechanics, and I'm not seeing uh, where it is. So the, the the mechanics that Board Game Geek lists for this game yeah, it doesn't are have that specific mechanic. Yeah, end game bonuses, hand management, hexagon grid, income, open drafting, set collection, solo solitaire games, tile placement, variable power, player powers, and variable setup. So I don't think the one that we're talking about is actually <laughs> actually on there. Um, I guess we're. <laughs> We're amazing podcasters, Trevor, but uh, now that we've talked about the game for, you know, 10 minutes, I guess, what would you, what would you give as kind of the big overarching overview of the game? Um, so it's a uh, <laughs> overarching view of the game. I'm going to use Tableau since Josh hates it so much and he's not here to, to attack it. It's a Tableau <laughs> management game. <laughs> I mean... So it has it has mechanics that involve um, trying to build an engine. So you're you're trying to build an engine based on um, cards that are called sponsors. So you're wanting to build an engine that gives you extra bonus points for putting together the same sorts of animals, whether based on um, continent or animal type. Um, so you're wanting to build things together that give you bonus points. I feel like if you're going to win, if you don't have some way to build bonus points, you're you're not in the running. It's really dependent on building that bonus point engine and then you really have to be careful with the way you build your board um so you're you're placing tiles on your own personal board that's like the central board in in um terraforming mars but no one's going to sweep in and steal that spot from you um so you but you've got to be careful with where you put things because if you don't you won't have room for all of your potential plans but really the the key is i feel like is between choosing the correct actions at the correct times and building an engine that, that rewards you bonus points. So the the basic core of the game is that you will, each player has five action cards. And uh, when I take my turn, I'll pick one of those. And the, the action cards are, are sat in front of you. And there's a slot for uh, one, two, three, four, and five. And if you pick the action card that's in the one slot it is correspondingly weak for being the number one. And if you pick, they, they go and increase in power until you get to the number five. If you do an action in the five slot, it's going to be the strongest. And when you play an action, let's say I play the, the action that is currently in the number five slot, I will resolve it. And then it will, whenever you play an action, it moves down into the number one slot on your tableau and all of the other action cards will shift up to the right. And so 
the core of the game is you will, I would do one action that is associated with one of my action cards, resolve it, and then it would go to Trevor and he will pick one action card and will alternate back and forth doing actions. There will occasionally be what is essentially an income phase that will uh, interrupt us going back and forth, taking actions. Um, but that's, that's the core of the game is, is each of you going back and forth using your action cards to do different abilities or things in the game. Um, I guess what, what else would you, would you say about the game or describing the game, Trevor? I, I would say the player turns are very quick. I think that's kind of an important thing yeah. to, to note is that you're taking one action, you're resolving that action, you move on, and it's really quite quick to move through everyone's turns as long as everyone's, you know, not analysis paralysis, but the actual uh, meat of what happens on your turn is quite simple. Yeah, I would say that's true. And I think that's one of the things that um, makes it enjoyable. Um, I will say so far I have played... The one I've played the most of is the two-player version of the game, and I, I think that it handles two players well. Um, I've played one three-player game, and I have not played any four-player games. Um, kind of my guess is that of the player size, I'm sure it handles four-player fine, but I think it would probably be the one that is least, that it's that I would enjoy the least. Um, mostly because you don't get... There isn't necessarily a ton of player interaction like a lot of Euro games. Um, and so you're basically just increasing the amount of time in between your turn when you are doing the four-player game, um, which, you know, that's that's fine if you're playing with a group of friends that you love to play with, uh, etc. cetera. But um, I, I would personally think that the, the sweet spot for the game is is more like the two to three player game. I mean, do you do you think that's fair, or am I selling it short on a player mode I haven't even played yet? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I have played it with four players, and I would say that you might be selling it short a little bit. I agree with you that it's probably better at two and three player. Um, there's really nothing that is added in at four player as far as uh, changing the game experience. It's it's really a race to see who can get to the end game condition as quickly as possible. And adding another player doesn't change that in any way, shape, or form. The only difference is is I feel like the game length, and this is kind of a blanket statement, but the game length to me feels like it is it is one hour plus thirty minutes for every player that you add. So a two-player game, about two hours, a three-player game, about two and a half, and a four-player game is going to be closer to three. So, you know, that's a pretty big difference between the two and the four-player version. Uh, but there are other things that also help speed it up. There's a lot of mechanics in the game that says things like, for every version of this in the entire, in, the, in all zoos, or every time someone plays this icon for all four players, that also speeds it up a little bit when you get to four players. Um, so there'll be like one that says anytime a primate icon is played, gain three credits or three money. <clears throat> and when you have a fourth player, it makes it harder for those players to avoid your icons. Um, so there, there is some situations where adding a fourth player does speed up the game just a little bit per player. Um, but yeah, I think that 
you're going to get the same experience with a two or three player game and um, the extra player isn't going to add much to it other than make the game longer. So one other thing I'll say about the game that I think is a um, interesting um, design choice that I think is, is well done is that the game can comes with um, eight play mats and there are there's essentially like three levels of of play mats so there's four that are like the beginner play mats and those are all the same and then there's four intermediate play mats that are also all the same but they um they're different than the beginner ones and then there are eight advanced play mats that are all different and they also have different um play bonuses or some special rules that are added on top of them and one of the things that's interesting with it is that not only is the map and the special rules different like you would kind of expect but but the there are other things on the map mechanic wise where when you fill up certain actions you get bonuses and and those bonuses change on the different maps of where they happen or the quantity that they happen or etc. And so one of the things that's impressed me quite a bit about the game so far is that I have played a, uh, I mean, the game has been released less than a week. I've played uh, a pretty large number of games for it, having been released that amount. And I've been surprised with how, I guess, maybe not surprised, but uh, pleased, I guess, with how, much the different game maps affect the replayability of the game, in my opinion, uh, which is something that I think is a, a big positive for it, especially compared to Terraforming Mars. Not that I, I mean, I've played a lot of games of Terraforming Mars, to be clear. <laughs> yeah, ter- Terraforming Mars This has a somewhat similar mechanic in that you have different corporations that you can play, but they, yeah. the differences in the corporations is not as big as the difference between these boards. Really, these boards open up more opportunity and different types of play than those corporations do. Those corporations generally add like one special rule. These, these different boards add a special rule and a different layout to the, the, to the mountains and water on the board as far as where you can lay tiles. They also um, have different, like Jay said, different unlocks. So it just really changes it up quite a bit. It's, it's a lot more than it would, it would almost be like if you were, you know, your, the amount of heat needed and the amount of um, credits you needed to uh, spend on the different things were just all different on everyone's board in, in terraforming Mars. And that's just not the case. Uh, for the most part. Another thing that is, uh, so I Terraforming Mars did have some board expansions that um, did accomplish a lot of these things and and I thought were fun to play. Um, but it's interesting, you know, this is in the base game. And another thing that's interesting is that in Terraforming Mars, there are the things of of like uh, basically your your extra, your bonus scoring opportunities and they're printed on the the board of terraforming mars and in this game arc nova one of the things that's nice about it is that basically they have um decks of 
bonus scoring opportunities. And so those will, you shuffle those and those come up and those will be different each game, um, which is another nice uh, aspect of replayability. Um, and there's, there's some of those that are put out at the start of the game. And then there's some that you draw and, and play throughout the game as well. And so um, I, I think besides the maps, it feels to me that the variability in the way that you do bonus scoring is another element that um, that in- increases the replayability. It, so, it makes uh, it I, real quick. I would say that it's it's a little bit difficult in terraforming Mars to say like there's just always one uh, strategy that is dominant because you know whatever cards you get can. Um, make it so that you can't do one dominant strategy, but but it does seem like you you started learning like you know these are certain strategies that are a little bit um, stronger than potentially some of the others. And and I think maybe some of those will become more apparent as Arc Nova comes out. Yes. it's farther played. But um, let, how about this? I mean, we've played enough games as I'm ready to, let's go through some of these grades. There's some things I want to okay. talk about, about some of the negatives of Arc Nova, at least as I see them. Okay. So first we have design. So clearly the core design is, is tested before. And I think it's well done here. Um, the game itself has, um, nice, uh, bits tactically. It's, it's fun to play. It's fun to put out, um, things, one I would say things... that I would say that the visual pill of the game is significantly better than Terraforming Mars. Yes, the art's better, quite a bit better. Um, you know, it's it's easier when you're dealing with animals and all you have to do right. is get a a picture of an animal to put on a card. But I do think the art in general on the board for the icons, etc., is all better as well. Right. So not not just the pictures of animals, but in addition to just everything. And once you learn the symbols, I feel like it is. Um, I think it's a little bit easier to just look at something, look at a card that you've never seen before, recognize the symbols, and be able to determine what the card does. Um, so there are some confusing things in the rule book, though. Um, some some cards that even after reading the rules uh, and the rule entry on the card and reading the card where I still didn't understand what the heck it was trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what the comparison is as far as deck sizes from Terraforming Mars to Arc Nova is. Arc Nova has a card deck that you draw from that has, I, I believe it's 255 cards. It's, it's a massive deck. It's huge. And unlike Terraforming Mars, I have yet to play a game where you've even made it two-thirds of the way through that deck. I don't know if you've had one where you've played farther into the deck than that. Uh, in, no, I've been I've been playing mainly two player games, and so they're yeah, not going to get I, as far. <laughs> yeah, I would say in a two player game, you don't even get halfway through the deck. Uh, yeah. But in like a four player game, I think we might have gotten two thirds of the way through the deck. In terraforming Mars, it takes a while to get through the deck, but you do get through the deck, and and that means in terraforming Mars, if there's some you know kind of a set of cards you're looking for to and to do your um, strategy, or there's a particular card you need. There's a good chance it's going to come up at some point during the game. Conversely, here, if there's a card that you need or want, I should I shouldn't say need, I should say want. If there's a card you want, there's a strong possibility it's not going to come up in the game at all. 
Yeah. And that actually bothers me a little. I would like the ability to move through the deck a little faster or to be able to search a little bit deeper um, somehow. You know, if there was a alternative action on like, there's a like the cards card, for example, it will let you take a card from the center row or you draw cards from the deck and then you can upgrade it and it'll allow you to take cards from the center row if you're in your reputation range or take them from the deck. I just wish that that it may it allowed you to draw more cards and discard more, like just cycle through more cards. I think it would be a little bit easier and a little less random to build the strategy you wanted. Yeah, um it I was talking to my brother about this yesterday and it it kind of feels to me a little bit like Arc Nova versus Terraforming Mars, you have a little bit less interaction with the cards, as in the the cards that you draw and play out. Mm-hmm. It feels like it feels like you don't go through quite as many of them, and that they're um, they're usually not. This this sounds like a dumb statement, and it, it maybe it is a dumb statement, but it it kind of feels like a lot of times. Um, the cards aren't as important in Ark Nova as in Terraforming Mars? Mm, I don't think that's a dumb statement. I think that's probably true. There's a lot of times where it, it takes longer to get a card into play in general. Yeah, yeah. If it's a, if it's a creature card, because you've got to have a enclosure for the, the, the animal to go into, and it's got to be in the right place, and then you got to have enough money, and it costs money to get the enclosures in play, and then it costs money to get the animals in play. So some animals, the big ones, it might take a few turns to get it into play. Right. You know, you have some of that in Terraforming Mars, where if you have an expensive project that you want to put into play, you got to wait till you got enough money. But it's not a multi-step process. Where here it kind of is. Um, it, one of the things I've always despised about Terraforming Mars was having to pay for your cards. I I do not like that concept. I don't like it in the game. I I realize what they're trying to go for is you know limit the number of cards and they're it's working in that you know you have you get all these cards in hand and then you have to buy them and the other ones get discarded it keeps you from just keeping everything you're given right. but I would I would rather have a get this many cards and have to discard them down to a certain number mechanic rather than having to pay for them I hate having to pay for them in Terraforce well it's and, also and then, and then later on figuring out that the card isn't even going to work for me and I, it, the money was completely wasted. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that one of the uh, one of the important strategies with Terraforming Mars to do well is almost being, like, ruthlessly efficient in deciding what cards you're going to keep and not keep. Mm-hmm. And, and, and sometimes that can be uh, not as enjoyable, I guess, uh, in some situations. So... I just, I mean, it is part of the game and it is what it is, but it's my least favorite mechanic in the game um, in, in many ways, because you'll sometimes not buy a card because you feel like you can't afford it and then realize later that you really wanted it or needed it or vice versa. You'll buy a card because you right. think it's the one the appropriate and then find out that it's worthless <laughs> and that you can't use it. Um, yeah, so, and it's not even... Yeah, the the fact that you spent money to, and then that slowed down your, uh, you know, economic engine because you were spending money on cards that you couldn't use, um, ends up coming to bite you in the in the butt a lot. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where um, it it separates the newer players from the experienced players pretty quickly. You know right. that that mechanic definitely pushes experienced players farther ahead. 
So, and it is what it is. But one of the things it does do is allow you to see a lot of cards and go through a lot of cards, right. which is, I guess, maybe I'm being hypocritical here, but I, I would like to see more cards in Ark Nova. I would like to be able <laughs> to get through the deck quicker, see more cards, have more cards maybe disappear from the center row faster, and just have the, just generally get through the deck a little bit quicker. I don't, I don't mind having to shuffle and rebuild the deck. What I mind is not being able to find a card that I desperately need for the strategy I'm trying to enact. Yeah, I. So you mentioned this, the the designer. This is the only game he's designed so far, which blows my mind a little bit. Um, but I guess what what uh what for we we're on the design category. What what sort of number are you thinking with it, Trevor? I have some some quibbles. Um, I mean, the, at the end of the day, we'll get to it. I think the design is lacking in a lot of places, but it doesn't matter. The truth is, when we get to the fun category, I'm going to rate it high because the game's fun. And board games can be, have, be horribly broken and still be fun. And I know everyone's played one of those that you can think of where the game's kind of broken, but it's fun. Um, I, you know, I, I played a lot of those. So here I'm going to give it um, probably a... a a seven on design um, and maybe that'll go up a little bit with a few more plays and some of these design flaws I'm seeing now aren't flaw- real flaws, but I've played four times and um, felt the flaws that I'm talking about every time so far. So um, the design could use some improvement. Uh, maybe they'll cl- fix it up a little bit with expansion or whatever, you know, second edition. And then I would think differently about it. Um, I'm probably going to give it a nine. I, um i've been quite happy with the the design of the game um it has some mechanics that i haven't experienced before although like Trevor said they likely have been in other locations um but it also and this is a i'm probably praying it a little bit high just because um it is a genre of games that i like and so you know that probably colors it a little bit. Yeah. So time management, uh, like Trevor said, it's it's generally two hours, two and a half, and then likely three hours at four people. Um, I kind of feel like it does a good job of giving you a pretty rewarding experience in the amount of time that you devote to it. I, I also think that uh, if everyone is experienced, that those times could be compressed Improved. a little bit. Yeah, I think you could probably get a two-player game down to maybe an hour and a half and a three-player game down to two and a half hours. Um, but it just everyone the, – the actions are quick. It's just a matter of people get to their turn and there, there's some analysis paralysis. And I don't think you can completely take it away. There's just too yeah. much going on in the game to completely remove it. Um, so time management, I'll probably give it an eight. Um, so for me, this is a sweet spot. This is a good good length for a game. I don't ever feel like it's dragging on, and the the actions are quick enough that it's yes. it's good. So uh, I, I agree, probably an eight. Okay. So next, repeatability. Um, so I played four games of it, which is far more than I've played of basically everything on my shelf. <laughs> so I mean, there's 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 like a handful of games in my entire career that you know there's maybe ten of them that I've played, you know, more than ten times. Then there's a a very small handful of games that I've played twice or more up to ten times, and then there's everything else. 
which is probably 90% of the games I've played where I've played them once or twice and then I've never played them again. Um, this is a game I've already played four times and it's only been out a week and I fully expect that I'll probably play it another, I don't know, 10 times at least, um, maybe more. I don't really know at what point I will grow weary of it. Um, so to me, that's a pretty good value. That puts it in the nine range as far as replayability. It doesn't make it a 10. It doesn't make it that game that you just, every time you get a chance, you want to play it again. Um, but maybe it is. I haven't, I don't know when I'll get tired of it. But it it does feel similar to Terraforming Mars. I played a lot of games of Terraforming Mars, not nearly as many as, as Jay, but a lot of them. Um, and if we owned it, I think my wife would pull it out a lot more frequently. So it's in that similar vein. I expect to play this at least 15, 20 times minimum. I will agree. So next we have fun. So this game's a lot of fun. I enjoy it more than Terraforming Mars. Um, there's a lot of things about it that I like better than Terraforming Mars. Um, I like not... So one of the things with Terraforming Mars that sort of irritates me is when you really want to try to dictate the pace of the temperature and water tracks and make sure those bonuses happen on your turn. And in a four-player game, it becomes almost impossible to, to determine that. You almost have to get lucky or have someone feed you. Um, those All those things are kind of gone here. There's a couple of situations where you need to determine it, but most of your bonuses come from your own board, and you determine when they happen. And I prefer that. I, I like this game better than Terraforming Mars when it comes to those things. So this game is fantastic fun for me. Um, I do just like a little bit of the randoms in the cards. So I'm going to, I'm going to dock it a little bit there um, and not being able to get through the deck enough to find the, the cards you need. Um, but terraforming Mars can have that problem too. So it's just, it's more pronounced here. So I'm, I'm going to give it a nine. Excuse me. Um, I think I will go with um, a 10. I've gotten in a lot of games of it and um, I'm looking forward to, to playing more of it. So I'm very pleased with it overall which overall is the next category so the fun that i have with this game i and the the, the time frame um the art the general feeling of it um this is a game that even my 10 year old enjoyed uh, my wife likes it um, i just feel like it has kind of a general appeal it has a tactile feeling of building your board i feel like even if you have a poor game and you don't win you still have a lot of fun building your zoo um and I think it does the zoo thing better than a lot of the other zoo games I've played. So if that's your interest, certainly you should take a look at it. Um, so I, I just think overall the pieces all come together and my, my quibbles start to fade away when I look at it from a whole. I, I have seen some negative reviews out there that it's not for everyone, uh, but it's definitely overall I think this is one of the best games that will come out this year. Uh, so it's probably well-deserving of a night. Yeah, I think I will... Uh, go ahead and agree with that. Uh, so next we have audience. So my 10-year-old's played it. I feel like you can probably um, help. It's less complex than Terraforming Mars, so it's easier to teach to a younger audience. I think uh, that you probably do need to be a gamer. It's probably a little too complex for the social uh, gamers, the people who want to play something a little lighter. It's beyond that. It's too long for those people as well. Um, but I think for the average board gamer, this is the sweet spot, which is why it's getting a lot of buzz because it does fit within everybody's sort of tolerances. You know, it's, it's kind of at the long length for the ones that like shorter games and it's sort of at the short length for the, those of us who like longer games. 
Um, I will say that if you don't care for the kind of the randomness of your build out um, that's relying upon getting the cards you need or want, that maybe that's the, the, the gamer group that's not going to enjoy it. And I have seen quite a few reviews of people who are in that group. So, yeah, I, I guess my only thought on audience is that um, it does, it does feel like you probably need to be at least it. It doesn't feel like an in, introductory game or a gateway game to me. Um, I think it would be a little bit too complex for that. Um, so I guess take that for what it's worth. Yeah, there's there's a lot of different there's a lot going, going on going on at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so uh, go or no go, we're we're both obviously goes. Josh would be a go to. I'll speak for. Him. Yeah. <laughs> He'll. I don't know. I'm trying to think. I don't think he's played any games of this yet, but I know he bought it uh, the first day it was released. It is a, yeah. definitely one he was been looking for. Um, so. All right. Well. There we have it. Let us know what you guys think of Arknova, and uh, hopefully you'll get a chance to play it sometime soon.